This is an ABC podcast. Hi, I'm Melissa Clark, and this is the Australia Votes podcast. In the election campaign today, we've had healthcare, manufacturing, the race for seats in the Senate. We've had it all. But we're going to drill down into the details and have a chat with Adam Shirley from ABC Canberra. Because Canberra, as well as being the home of federal politics, also has the unwelcome distinction of having some of the longest hospital waiting times in the country. So policy announcements aimed at alleviating pressure on emergency rooms that we've heard today from the Labor Party are really important in the ACT. But first, let's have a quick look at what's happened on the campaign trail. I'm joined by James Glenday. Hi, James. Hi, Mel. So, George Christensen. He was meant to be retiring from federal politics. He's had plenty of years of being an awkward fit on the coalition backbench, given his increasingly conservative views compared to most of his colleagues. But it it turns out he's not actually retiring anymore. He's not quite done. Uh, I uh, did not want to run again for the uh, seat of Dawson. That decision was made. That decision uh, came and went. Uh, But she did ask me if I would join her Senate ticket and uh, I said yes to that. I think that uh, George Christensen will be missed within the National Party. Even though he's technically part of the LNP in Queensland, he was quite popular in amid sections of that party. Not all of it, but sections, particularly the Queensland bit. And he's popular because he has a lot of support on the ground. Uh, locals like him, even the ones who vote against him, which is quite interesting to observe when you're there. But now he's joining Pauline Hanson's One Nation Party. Perhaps briefly, though. Well, this is the strange thing. So he's running for Pauline Hanson's One Nation Party. He's third on the ticket, though, which makes it, to be honest, impossible for him to get elected. So why would he do that? Yeah, so there are six senators up for election. Normally, in in a, in a state like Queensland, you just kind of get three on the conservative side, three on uh, the left of politics. But uh, you'd have to think that he has almost no chance at all of uh, being elected. And uh, Labor's view on this is that he's doing it because every extra vote that Pauline Hanson gets, obviously it makes it more likely that she gets re-elected to the Senate, but also her party gets extra money as well. So it's good for her. And uh, the government is saying that it's also good for George Christensen because he's not technically retiring. He's just trying to switch houses and uh, because he will have lost his role in Parliament against his will, technically, he'll get a, a, a taxpayer-funded payout of uh, probably more than $100,000. So it's, it's good for Pauline Hanson and it's good for George Christensen. Now to Labor's health policy announcement today. Anthony Albanese says if the Labor Party wins the election, they will establish 50 urgent care clinics. Now, the idea is these clinics will provide services that GPs and nurses can handle, things like broken bones, cuts, minor bruises, that sort of thing, in an effort to take pressure off hospital emergency rooms. Now, to have a chat about this with me, I have Adam Shirley, who is a presenter with ABC Canberra. Adam, thanks for being with me. Uh, Pleasure, Mel. Nice to be along for the dream that we are living, which is the election campaign. Absolutely. You cannot escape it anywhere in the country, but certainly not in Canberra. Now, Adam, ABC Canberra broadcasts both in the ACT and to southeastern New South Wales. And I think that's important because uh, the ACT is a bit of a Labor strongholder when it comes to lower house seats, but it is entirely surrounded by the marginal electorate, the ultra-marginal electorate of Eden Monero, which Labor 
only just hangs on to. And that mirrors nicely with Canberra Hospital Services because hospitals in Canberra are the first port of call in really emergency situations for most of the population in southeast New South Wales. And this is where we get to the interesting point. Canberra actually has pretty terrible waiting times for emergency rooms when it comes to non-urgent cases. The worst in the country, this is despite Canberra being you know, a high-income population, a strong bureaucracy, but the hospital system has some really long-running problems. Why is it so bad? So it's, it's such an interesting picture, and in some ways you can look at it, Mel, as a prime example of problems that the rest of the country has. Just on the emergency room waiting times in the first place, it's broken into five broad categories. And the first two, CAT 1 and CAT 2, which are the most serious where you need immediate attention, are actually very good in the ACT, but it's the middle bands, CAT 3 and 4, where there's a significant weight stacking up against the rest of the states and territories. Things are not good and haven't been good for many years. Then when you throw the last two or three COVID years into it, all bets are off in some ways when it comes to trying to improve that ED waiting time. So what what's the cause here? Is, is it because... It- it's a regional area, or is it because the population in Canberra is growing really rapidly and the hospital services haven't kept up? Is it because it's it's a Canberra hospital, but it also has to look after people in regional New South Wales? Why is it so bad? There's a few common yet complex issues. The, the one that you've just highlighted there, we're talking about a small metro centre which services a far broader regional geographic region, never mind Queenby and Bungendore, but even further afield to the south coast, towards the Snowy Mountains, and then just to the north side of the ACT's border. I'm talking towns like Yass and areas around Goulburn even, where a lot of people need acute and emergency care. Often, Canberra will be the place, and a couple of the main hospitals that we have are the places that they need to come to. What you then have is a diverse range of problems of healthcare needs that are all falling into this one ACT basket. So that's one thing. Also attracting and retaining staff for some time has been a real problem. A lot of people might come, do their training at a university here, do an initial couple of years, but then look to move interstate where there are more attractive options for pay and for working conditions. And and that is also an issue for the ACT. It sounds like the policy that Labor has announced today could be a really good thing for a place like Canberra, where you could get treatment much closer to home and much more quickly by going to an urgent care clinic. Anthony Albanese announced this today at a mini rally, I guess you would call it. Treatments for sprains and broken bones, stitches, ear infections and minor burns. They will make it easier for Australians to see a doctor when they require it, even on weekends and in the evening. Importantly, the services will be bulk billed. Australians won't need their wallet, they'll just need their Medicare card. He had a pretty receptive audience there because he announced this at this mini rally that was at the Nursing and Midwifery Federation headquarters in Melbourne. So they were going to be happy to hear this news. You know, Mel, having a brief look at the announcement by Anthony Albanese today and and listening to your summary of what this policy is, I can't help but think of a similar example, which are the nurse-led walking clinics that we've got established here in the ACT. Now, they've been rolled out in part to try and address this emergency department waiting problem that we have. And in some ways, they've worked well. There's been an issue about making them known to the people that they're available to, which is citizens of the ACT and the kind of things that they can treat, sprains, cuts, abrasions, other issues that that you've mentioned too. 
So far, the jury's out as to how effective they've been in shortening those waiting times in ED. Nonetheless, the ACT government has ploughed on with this policy through a couple of elections now. They've expanded the system and the network of nurse-led clinics. Yeah, that's an interesting one because... The nurse-led clinics in the ACT, as you said, are run by nurses. Labor's proposing a service that does have doctors, so this might provide a higher level of care. But I think what's interesting is that both this Labor proposal and what we see in the sorts of clinics that are already there is a focus on bulk billing. And that too is a critical issue in Canberra and uh, in Eden Monero as well. As much as we hear the federal government say bulk billing rates have never been higher, I don't know about you, Adam, but I have found in the ACT it's pretty hard to find bulk billed medical services. One thing I am thinking about, Mel, though, and, and you'll know the inside skinny on this is I remember during the Rudd Gillard Rudd years, GP super clinics, and, and it was a pretty strong, well, strongly pursued policy by the then Labor governments. How did they compare? Or what sort of system was that compared to what we're seeing with today's announcement, the yeah, urgent that, care clinics? It's a really interesting question because that was such a big feature of the Rudd-Gillard government, sir, that these GP super clinics were going to be created all around the country and really change the way we look at medical services. And already we've seen the opposition hark back to that era and, and, and call the super GP clinic program a failure and this just a reheat of that. Uh, Greg uh, Hunt, the health minister, has been pretty quick out of the blocks on this. They did super clinics last time. Uh, They failed to build more than half of them. Um, They failed to run the hours, they said. Uh, They failed to bulk bill to the levels, they said. But most significantly, it's a threat to your existing general practice and your relationship with your existing GP. So this proposal by Labor is different from the GP super clinics. So one of the issues with GP super clinics is that it would co-locate a whole bunch of services in a new location. So you would get a new doctor, but also with a pathology lab next door, maybe a physio or a psychologist, a range of other allied health services, and they'd all be in the one place built under a new roof. So starting a whole new medical service from scratch and competing with the existing GPs. So there were a lot of capital outlay costs involved, new infrastructure, new medical staff. Labor is saying this is different because they just want to give funding to existing GP clinics that are already in place, that already have staff and already have equipment, and that the extra money will mean that they can put on one or two more doctors or nurses or buy a little more equipment so they can expand their services and how long they're open. Now, having said that, it is a commitment of $135 million over four years, so it's not a huge amount of money. I would be impressed if they can stretch that out over the 50 sites that they think they can manage with this. It doesn't seem to be maybe in the in that stratosphere, uh, as you mentioned, of what's required to make fundamental change. Perhaps, though, it is one of those building blocks which the opposition wants to build on and, and get out there early so people take note of it as a practical real world solution, if that's what it turns out to be. Thinking about the way it could work too, Mel, I wonder how, and we talked briefly about attracting and retaining staff in ACT hospitals, but how you would get enough staff to co-locate in these these areas to, to stay on and provide the care that Labor are proposing would happen. 
Well, isn't this just the issue because we know there has already been a push to get more nurses into aged care. We know there are promises from Labor about having a nurse in every nursing home. We also know that having had a pandemic for two years, that a lot of medical staff are really stretched and a lot of nurses don't want to stay in the system. And now we have this proposal from Labor that says, oh, we're going to extend the hours that nurses will be available all around the community. Where are these extra nurses and or extra shifts going to come from in a place like Canberra, which is a regional area that already struggles to attract medical staff and retain medical staff, even if they do get them here in the first place. So this is only one part of the picture. And to Labor's credit, they have acknowledged that. But this is the difficult part of health policy. You make one change or one promise to fund something, but you're going to have to deal with the rest of the ecosystem that is already struggling with staffing. So uh, this alone isn't going to achieve what they hope it will unless other policies kick in. And that might mean looking at bringing in more nurses and more medical staff, more doctors from overseas. It seems immigration is going to be critical to Labor's health policy. Adam Shirley, thank you so much for your insights into Canberra, the place, not just Canberra, the home of Parliament House. Thank you for being with me. 100% Mel, pleasure to be here. The Australia Votes podcast will be back tomorrow. If you have any questions about how the election is unfolding, you can send them to us on email at australiavotespodcast at abc.net.au or use the link in this podcast description. And of course, subscribe to this podcast on the ABC Listen app. I'm Melissa Clark. Until next time, thanks for listening. You've been listening to an ABC podcast. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.